0: Down in Texas, uh, there is anger and a lot of questions among family members of those killed in the mass shooting Tuesday at an elementary school. Many are asking why it took over an hour before the gunman was killed by law enforcement officers. The 18-year-old killed 19 children and two teachers over that time. Family members are demanding to know why authorities did not storm the uh, school And put a stop to the rampage quicker. Now, these stories are difficult to talk about, regardless of your age, but especially for those who are younger. How do you talk about what happened in Texas or in Buffalo to kids? Dr. Marcia Sirota is an author, speaker, coach, and psychiatrist, and joins us now to talk about this. Uh, Appreciate your time today.
1: Good morning, Devin.
0: When a major tragedy happens, should parents wait to talk about it? Should they address it right away? What's what's, what's sort of the idea here?
1: Well, first of all, I, I just want to say that my heart goes out to all the people involved and especially the families of those who, who were killed. Um, I think the thing that parents need to do is really pay attention to their children and take their cues from them. So if the children want to talk, they should talk, and if the children want to have just quiet time, they should give them the quiet time, but they should also really observe for signs that the children aren't doing well, and then, you know, get them the kind of help that they might need. So it's really about paying attention, listening, watching, and giving the children what they need rather than imposing something on them.
0: Is it different when there is an event that happens... Like in particular, like a school shooting, which is more likely to happen in the United States than Canada, and when it happens in a different country or uh, outside of what might be home, or does it really matter?
1: No, because it it's been shown that hearing and reading about and watching images of traumatic events can cause reactions that are traumatic in us as well. So we can be looking at the news and we can be traumatized, and especially because we empathize, right? These are mostly children involved and, and very loving and supportive teachers, and we are horrified because we can identify with the parents, we can identify with people who are teachers. So it's very close to home in our hearts. It might not be in our, in our state, but it's in our hearts
0: and when you have a situation like this, you know, parents don't always have, you know, adults don't always have answers. Um, so I'd imagine for, for kids, if they ask a question, it's okay not to have the answer to a, a certain a question.
1: Yes. And I think what parents need to do is if they feel ill-equipped to respond to their children, they need to reach out and get the support they need so that they can be there for the children. So just like in the airplane, when they say, put your mask on and then put the child's mask on. So first you need to take care of yourself as a parent and that will make you more equipped to help your child. So whatever resources you need, whether it's basic self-care or seeking some kind of help and support yourself, um, that's a very important thing to do in terms of helping your child as well.
0: Just to, you know, in in that sense, parents may be sorting things out um, with these events themselves. What can parents and adults do to help themselves?
1: There's some, basic things. It it comes down to two things. One is self-care and two is seeking support. So basic self-care is making sure you get enough sleep, getting nutrition, getting exercise, and uh, even having some quiet time for contemplation or meditation. All of those things are really important in terms of grounding the parent and helping them to feel strong enough to manage what, what the situation is with their family. And the other thing is seeking support, whether it's talking to a friend or a clergy person or a therapist or a counselor, making sure that they have opportunities to vent and also seek advice and um, information.
0: Is there anything parents should avoid doing? I think in some cases, adults may think their child is unaware of a certain subject. In this case, maybe a shooting. In other case, maybe it's something else. But uh, sometimes we we don't really realize how aware of events and issues and things that kids may be?
1: I think there's a few things we should avoid. We should avoid forcing children to talk about things before they're ready, but we should also avoid pretending that it's going to go away and if the child is very quiet, thinking that they're fine. Because a quiet child does not mean a healthy, happy child. A quiet child might be having a lot of reactions internally, but they just don't know how to express it. So we shouldn't go to either extreme of pushing the child too hard to talk about things before they're ready or ignoring any signs of trouble.
0: How do you counter inaccurate information? I don't necessarily mean misinformation, just more something where kids might be talking on, you know, in the schoolyard and it's almost a case of broken telephone and there's a breakdown in communication. So it's not necessarily intentional um, uh, distortion of what happened, but inaccurate information. How do you counter that?
1: I think it's always important to ask your child, you know, how was your day today? What kinds of things were your ki- were your friends talking about, you know, outside when you were playing? And if the child says, oh, yeah, they said that this and that happened or, or that it's going to come up to Canada and there are going to be sh- mass shootings in Canada next week, you know, then you can start to counter that information. So it's important to keep those lines of communication open and make sure that you give the child an opportunity to share whatever they've heard, and then you can give them the, the actual truth of, of the situation so that they can be reassured.
0: What impact do you think social media has on the overall conversation with this in terms I mean, for kids maybe specifically, but even adults, I, I always kind of think um, it, it, we, we tend to see the same story again and again. The algorithm, if we click on something, wants to give us more of what we've clicked on, and that can in some cases, like as, like such as this, Give us more of something that might be distressing and makes us view what something already bad even worse. what sort of impact does social media have in all of this
1: well I, I think you said it devin I think it it uh, it's inflammatory and it you know the the way social media works is uh not great for the human brain it It's, uh, it's very triggering you know when you have a traumatic experience, and like you said, more traumatic images or stories. Uh, is not good or is not sorry is not better so we need to uh, really make sure that we ourselves moderate the amount of uh, information we take in through social media and we need to really make sure our children aren't um, doom scrolling all this social media and looking at horrible images and reading upsetting stories because it's not going to do them any good when a traumatic event happens It's important to know the facts, but once we know the facts, we don't need to keep going back and looking and looking because we're just going to keep hurting ourselves emotionally and it's going to delay or even prevent our healing.
0: Dr. Sirota, as always, I certainly appreciate the time. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me, Devin.
0: That's Dr. Marcia Sirota, author, speaker, coach, and psychiatrist.